As our ancestors waited for the birth of Jesus, the book of Matthew says that he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. During a time that might be stressful or even discouraging for you, you may be waiting for Jesus. You may be waiting for a savior. You may have also experienced that savior. Remember through the scripture that Emmanuel, God promised to always be with you, to guide you, and to keep you safe. If you've recently noticed God with you, if you'd notice him break in, like the Advent reading said, this is your time to give thanks to God and to encourage others. You can do it now by typing your name in the chat. Then when your name is called, make sure we've unmuted you or unmute yourself. Then share your testimony. Ready, set, go. Jacqueline. Hey, everyone. I want to give thanks to, to God for his wonderful son, Jesus. And Jacqueline, what about yesterday? What happened yesterday with your mitten? Oh, and I, I, I lost my mitten yesterday at the store at Myers Woodward Corner Market, and I dropped it, and, and a nice store lady helped me find it. I want to give thanks to that. I want to give thanks to the wonderful worker. Yep. And to God. And to God for helping we, me find that mitten. I always tell I always tell Jacqueline that God always knows where our stuff is when we lose it. And you just have to ask him if he let us <laughs> ask him if he let us find it. So that was great. That was a good God moment. As we ponder that God moment, who's next? Ashley Dupree. Ashley, if you are not ready, how about Kate? And we'll come back to Ashley. Oh, okay. Yes, Sorry. <laughs> Having some technical issues. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had talked a, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago about how we, um, you know, kind of go around the Detroit metro area, uh, providing homeless folks with food and stuff. And then obviously everybody here knows about the warming shelter. Well, um, at my work, those two things came up in one of our uh, all-employee meetings. And um, after the meeting, I, I was really moved by all the people uh, that I work with that reached out to me wanting to know more about uh, the warming shelter, wanting to know how they can help um, with uh, Abby and I's ministry in, in the Detroit area, just, just wanting to, to see if they could do do more. I learned about people that were already participating in warming center type things at their churches, and it was just uh, just awesome to see how you know God used uh, just a, a, an opportunity like like that in front of a lot of people um, to to spread spread His word and um, 
you know, allow folks to kind of know that there's others doing, doing similar things and that they can actually, they can actually help. And, um, and then they're outpouring of love, trying to, to look for opportunities to help. It was just, just really, really uplifting, especially in this, this real difficult times. Excellent, Ashley. Thank you. Kate. So, so a lot of you know that um, Mark and Molly have COVID. They are doing fine and they are almost through it. A um, couple of things I'm really thankful for. We were able to quarantine away. My parents have a cottage. And so I'm just really thankful for a space for me and my two little ones to quarantine away so that um, Mark and Molly could move about. But the thing that I'm really thankful for is Molly was super bummed when she found out she had it because that meant she couldn't come you know, to the cottage with us and she would be separated from her siblings and super, super sad about that. And the coolest thing is that my small group um, decided they were going to love on Molly. And so every day she had a delivery from someone in our small group of a craft or an activity or a treat or something, um, a cookbook, because she loves to cook. And just this, and I, the second that I told my small group women this uh, to pray for Molly, that she was just down in her spirits, that like, it was an immediate response of like, we're going to love on Molly. And they set up a calendar and just kind of bombed her porch with um, gifts each day. And it's just this recognition of community and um, people who like, even for my kids to see like, like family is so much more than just blood and how, 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 I'm hoping that it just creates just such a legacy of um, them wanting to love on others the way that our small group loved on us this week. So, and uh, I said, if you ever doubt if people love you, get COVID because I feel like every neighbor was like, hey, who needs, gro you need groceries. I mean, we've had, it just has been really, um, you know, I think that bad things happen in the world, but God can use all things for good. And one of the ways is um, our families really, really felt loved. So Praise, praise God for his testimony, for the love that he is sharing and showing through his community for healing, for finding mittens, and for helping the homeless. Thank you for sharing. Now, Liv has some announcements for you. Thanks, Scott. Good morning. Welcome to Genesis. Glad that you could be with us today. Uh, now is the time we're going to put up a green card poll on Zoom. Uh, if you're viewing on Facebook, please go to our website homepage. You can click on connect virtually and fill out the virtual green card um, for prayer requests, et cetera. So you should see that in front of you. You can uh, check that you'd like to join a group, talk to an elder or pastor, receive the weekly Genesis email, uh, be intentionally discipled in order to disciple others, and would like to be on the Warming Center prayer team. Um, we'll talk a little bit more in a few minutes about the Warming Center effort, but that will be um, something we'd like you to commit to for the full 10 weeks that, that will be uh, taking place. So we'd love for you to join hands with us in that way. So also on the website and via email, we have released the protocol that we've implemented related to our building usage and gatherings in this COVID-19 environment. So we balance this data with what we're sensing from God 
to make these decisions. So let us know if you have any questions once you check that out. Um, you should uh, have already gotten a notification. We have joined a new platform that allows us to communicate with our community via text message. So if you'd like to receive these messages, you can text the keyword Genesis texts, plural. We'll put this in the chat this morning. Um, or there's a number 94000, or there's an actual phone number 248-309-6588. So this will just be another way that we can communicate um, with you. You can also submit your prayer request this way if you'd like, just know whether you'd like them uh, to remain uh, private or public, and that can go out to our distribution list. So um, just another way for us to connect. On Christmas Eve, we will be having a parking lot candle lighting and carol sing at 5 p.m. So this won't be a long program, but do bundle up and bring your own hot chocolate or coffee to stay warm and uh, let's be together. And uh, last but not least, Bo has been hosting an Advent nightly reading at 7 p.m. So add your email address into the chat and we'll send you the Zoom link if you are interested. Uh, my family likes to Try to join in every night and it's worth your time to take a pause and reflect. And my daughters like that it's less than five minutes long. So if my antsy kids can um, do it and sit through it, you can too. So thanks everyone. I'm gonna turn it over to Nate. Thanks Liv. I wanted to share with you all. Let's see if I can do this the right way. I wanted to share with you a picture of Emmanuel Bethel Church, their gymnasium right now. So this is what it looks like for setting up social distancing um, properly with the health department for the warming center. And so the warming center is gonna start at Emmanuel Bethel this week on the 14th and they are going to host for two weeks and many of you have been contacted about helping out with Emmanuel Bethel's overnight schedule. If you haven't received that request and you are available to help with the overnights between the 14th and the 28th of December, um, you're also welcome to just send me a uh, text or an email and I can connect you because um, Emmanuel Bethel is a um, older community and it is a small church, but they've, they've sensed that God was inviting them to take two weeks and they've been um, trusting for God to provide the people resources that are needed to pull off the overnights. And so it's been fun walking with them uh, one of their um, lead uh, deacons, I think is, was his title, um, sent me this amazing quote from Martin Luther um, about Martin Luther's commitment during the Black Plague to be responsible with his own behavior, but to not let, um, to not limit um, his involvement in serving mankind. Um, and so they've got a lot of passion. They've got a lot of energy. And I would love to connect you if you're available between the 14th and 28th to do um, an overnight shift with them at Emmanuel Bethel. They're located on Woodward and Normandy. The other part of the warming center that is 
coming up for us is the weekend day shifts. And so we're going to be providing some weekend day coverage so that we have a full um, seven days a week, seven nights a week bubble. And I'm super excited for that opportunity. Um, actually, Ashley and Abby um, are going to be doing some activities with the guests on Sunday afternoons. And we've got a whole team of volunteers that are coming together for the weekends. And so if that's something that interests you, maybe you can't do an overnight, but Saturday or Sunday between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., you would like to give some of your time for the warming center. That's a great opportunity as well. And something that has not um, existed in the past, we've never had to provide daytime services during the weekend. And so that's something that's totally new. And uh, we're kind of building this plane as we fly it. <laughs> so um, your, your prayers are appreciated. Um, I per personally would covet your prayers. Um, I, I am sensing the anxiety that, that comes with um, the invitation. So the invitation from the Lord for us to lead differently over these 10 weeks as a church has been clear. Um, but often in the midst of that, um, I will I will start to sense um, the anxiety that there may be people who aren't cared for. And so just I'm wanting to have space for the Lord to speak into that, um, that the Lord is caring for the, for these kids and for his children and that we're just coming alongside. And so I don't I don't need to carry the weight of that. Um, the Lord hasn't invited me to carry the weight of that. And so part of that is making known our needs. And so I've made need, needs known to you today. Maybe your role with the warming center is best to be in the prayer team. Perhaps your role would be to do an overnight and to help support Emmanuel Bethel. Perhaps your role would be during the weekend, during the day. Um, whatever it would be, if the Lord impresses upon you, I invite you to hear and to do because it will absolutely take all of us to pull off this warming center season. So I want to take a moment and just um, to pray together for Emmanuel Bethel and, and for their team. Um, so just pray with me. Uh, Lord God, we um, trust that you have all the provision that is needed. You have all the resources that are needed. Um, you've brought this network together. Um, you care for your children and you do it well. And so we just want to be leaning in for your invitation and to not be overreaching, um, to not be taking on what you haven't asked us to take on. And in the midst of that, Lord, um, we desire to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so as Meredith and Jerry read that about you break in, Lord, that is our desire. And so I pray, Lord, that people's lives would be changed and transformed, that those who have been living alone might find community and family. For those that have been living in addiction, Lord, that they would experience freedom, that the chains would be broken. For those that have been living under the deception of the enemy that tries to steal life, Lord, that your words of truth, your light of truth, would come and illuminate them and that they would experience the fullness of what it is to be a beloved child of God. 
And so, Lord, our efforts may look different across the board, but our goal is the same, that we would join you in your absolute love, care, and provision for your children. And so call us by name and invite us into your work. And Lord, I pray for strength and encouragement for Emmanuel Bethel as they step in in these first two weeks. I pray that they would be overwhelmed uh, with a resource, that they would be surprised by the amount of people that want to join hands with them, that they would um, experience the fullness of your body, that it extends so much farther beyond their four walls. I pray for Reverend Bob and I pray for their elder, elder team that has been leading this effort and that they would just be surprised, Lord, that they would be able at the end of the day to, to say, Lord, you had done this and that your name would be famous, that your name would be the one that is praised and lifted up in this. And we just pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. That is that is awesome. So, if uh, as even Nate said, I'm I know that Carmel and I aren't able to participate in person with the warming center this year, and it is something I love to do. Right, love to get to participate in that way. And so, but I do know the way that she can participate and I can. I mean, there'll be numbers of numbers of opportunities to send socks and to do things, you know, in that way. But I also know that one of the things we can do is pray, and so. That prayer team invitation will be an invitation for 10 weeks. It'll be an invitation to, um, when we talk about interceding for people, it's not that just that, oh, I thought of you and I'm going to pray. Um, as I talk about this prayer team, I want it to be that in the same way that um, the other people are giving their lives over a night, that we would be thinking the same thing as a prayer team. That you may choose to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up in the middle of the night and pray. Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a shift. You know, I'm just gonna pray. And so, what I love about it too is that we're gonna do it for ten weeks, and we're gonna include other churches in it. And right now, I think one of the most disturbing things for me, um, as a follower of Jesus over this season, is the lack of unity in the church of how, how few things that that the church can actually get behind. <laughs> It, it, can, it can almost be surprising. It's sometimes really sad. But I'm always looking for the wind of what the church can get behind. And this seems to be one of the things in our county that the church gets behind, right? The, that churches in our area. And so with that, we say yes to Jesus in it, right? Of caring for vulnerable people and to do so in an honoring way. So join in with that. Join with praying um, and, and stepping into that. So just feel free if you want to if you want to be a part of that, you can just throw into the text that, you know, the prayer team thing in there. And I would love to include you and invite people to do that more. So here is my, it's just for connection time this morning. We're in Advent and, and Liv said that her daughters loved it. And I thought it had something to do with how awesome it was. And maybe because I was there too. And she's like, no, no, they're happy it's short. And so, yeah, I'm deflated a little bit, but it is short. But it's, but I have loved seeing the families and the kids and different people just jumping in and, and reading this text together. And it's so simple, right? It's so simple. Um, but I, I've loved it. And we're in Advent and actually Hanukkah started. And um, in this season, Carmel and I would typically, we would throw a Hanukkah party. 
right? We would open our home. We would cook a lot of meat. We'd celebrate the light that has come into the world, right? The miracle of light. Uh, and this is one of those years we can't do it. And so it, it, I, on Friday, I was like, oh, gosh, we probably would have been doing this tonight. And there's a level of sadness, right? But the truth of the matter is that this is not normal. We're, it, we're not in a normal season. And so even though things are delayed or held, they are stopped or paused, this is not normal. And the patterns and the traditions and the things that we long for and that we have, God willing, will return. And when we step into them, we'll step into them with greater gratitude. So here's my question for you for the connection. Um, either what, what is, what's something like even when you think about, oh gosh, this is one of my favorite things of Christmas. We've had to alter it, but I just want to speak out loud how I love this time even though if you're not able to do it, so like me, I love Hanukkah and opening their house and having lots of people around and eating beef brisket and, and celebrating the light and lighting candles with people. But for you, what are the parts you're missing or you're waiting for? Or where have you been surprised at the little patterns of Advent that you've been able to step into that are bringing you um, joy? So... Who, uh, who, who's got something to share for this connection time? Oh, Nasha. So the biggest thing for me is just visiting family during this time. I really miss that. Um, especially my in-laws because they're like not letting anyone in their homes. So we're about to start doing um, Zoom dinners once a week again, which we did back in March and April. So I'm looking forward to it, but for the kids, it's been pretty difficult not to be able to give hugs and see them. But um, other than that, it's been really interesting and fun to create new traditions. I don't usually decorate. I'm putting up inflatables in the front this year. My house has like little trees and little wreaths and little things all over the place. And that's been a lot of fun. Um, watching Christmas movies like every night, even if it's the same one is a new tradition. And I know one thing, one of my kids mentioned the other day was they missed, <laughs> they did miss the Hanukkah party because they didn't get any chocolate because they kept winning at the dreidel game. So yeah, <laughs> that's it for me. That's awesome, Nasha. Thank you for sharing. Any, anybody else have something that even, even just to speak out loud, this is a co-regulation moment where you can say, I'm missing this, right? To speak it out loud. And yet, and here's where we're finding some hope, right? Some solace, some interesting tradition. So anybody else have something they'd like to share as we connect? Throw your name to the chat or... Well, that's good in itself. So thank you for being a part. Let me pray. Um, also, we, we thank God for Again and again, for the last couple of months, we have we've we've you know we adjusted our budget for seventy five percent of what a normal year is, and for the last two months, we've hit those projections. So we're so thankful to God, and we're so thankful to you. We know that this is an abnormal season. We we know that it's not ideal, and we praise God for God's provision. We thank you for your generosity and continue to trust and to give as an as an act of worship. So thank you, thank you. And so let me pause and pray. God, thank you, God, for your provision. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for the chance to mourn um, so we can recognize the really good things of people and of community that we miss. 
and that we can understand the value of that, the gift of that, the blessing of that. Lord, come. God, for the families that are in need, for the individuals that need, the homes that are in need, the workplaces that are in need, the businesses that are in need, God, have mercy. We praise you, God, for provision and meeting those things and hearing those stories of Kate and of Molly. We say, Lord, let your kingdom come. May we continue to rally community around loving one another and ours. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is... That's really good. Well, good morning again. Aunt had a little, let me pull up my notes. Uh, one of the things that, about engaging in the Bible, right? About, for those of you who have a practice of reading the Bible or have hoped to have some kind of pattern of reading the Bible or heard about people who read the Bible, right, as a regular practice, uh, it is a gift from God that helps us, right? It, it helps us to discover. It's, uh, even though the Bible talks about itself, it says it's the inspirited words of God, the inspired words of God. And for me, it works as this, like this breath, right, that um, enables discovery, right? The discovery of God and the discovery of myself, the discovery of what God is longing to say to me, discovery of a perspective that is God's perspective, all from God speaking through it, right? So we have so much more to discover about God and ourselves. And one of the million dollar questions that we always ask is the question of a disciple is, what's God saying to you? And so even this morning, we, we, I present some inspirited writings, right? Inspired texts. But more importantly than what I say is what God is saying and the relationship that God has to you and to all of us in wanting to speak. And so we always want you to sure have one ear upon what I'm saying, but an ear on the spirit of God, to be listening. Because God, the spirit of God, knows you more intimately than I do. I know so little of what's happening in your world, in your life, unless God tells me or unless you tell me. But God knows everything, and he knows what you need. He knows when you're overwhelmed and which way you should turn. Truth be told, I don't. And I know probably the majority of you are overwhelmed. And our God is the only one who knows in which way you should turn. So let's pause and in that humility, ask for God's help. So Father, help. In our sense of being overwhelmed, you know the way which we should turn. Only you know. And so today, Lord, would, would we turn toward that way which is you? So we turn to you and say, only you know, Lord. In our sense of being overwhelmed, in our sense of maybe being afraid, in our sense of being angry, frustrated, disappointed, we turn to you. You, only you know the way in which we should turn. 
We submit to you, Lord. And so, Lord, if you, if you give us a hint, we want to turn that way and follow your lead. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so here was this this week. There was a there was a story, right, that uh, the Lord impressed upon me in such an odd way, right? Uh, I read the scriptures regularly, and so it wasn't what I was reading. It wasn't the text that was that I get emailed every morning to read. It wasn't this set plan. It was a story that popped into my sight, my brain, my thinking, right? And when that happens, I pause, right? I'm like, hmm, this isn't isn't usual. Um, but this seems to be what's happened. So I've been going to this text and asking and inviting friends and community into it with me and say, hey, this is really interesting. What do you think of this? Mostly as a way of accountability. Because so if I share that with somebody else, that's going to help me talk about it more. That's going to help me take a hold of it more. I include others um, because I need them. Right? I, 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 I need them to know I'm thinking about this. I need them to ask me questions about it. I need them to continue to remind me of it. Right? So I do that, right? And so... Maybe that's something with you too, right? We, we need to share. Even if we don't know what it's about, there's something beautiful about sharing um, with one another. And so this is an act of humility and an act of, in my own sort of need, that I want to present this to you, right? So this is a story in the book of Judges. And it's in Judges chapter 7. And this was a time in which uh, Israel was... I don't, not next, they were getting beat up, right? They were oppressed by enemies. They were surrounded. Um, and God had promised to take care of them, but they forsook God, right? They were worshiping other gods. And um, they were being overtaken. They were poor. They were hungry. They were isolated. They, um, the Midian, the armies of Midian and a whole bunch of other people had surrounded them. And God chose this man in Gideon and said, hey, I'm going to invite you to judge Israel, and you're going to call people back to me, and I'm going to free you. I'm gonna, you're going to liberate Israel again, right? But this is the story that God brought me to. This is in Judges chapter 7. And uh, Israel's surrounded. Everybody's there. And, and God is telling, and there's getting ready to be this war, right? This battle. And the armies of Israel had gathered to Gideon, and there were 32,000 soldiers, who they had mustered up in order to fight. And so it says this, Early in the morning, Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I'll sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. And so Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like dogs from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them lapped with their hands to their mouths, and the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that, that lapped, I will save you and give the Midians into your hand. Let all the others go, 
each to his own place. So this was the story, and the thing that grabbed me, right, um, in this, it, the, it was verse 2, right? And there was 32,000 soldiers in Gideon, and that still wasn't enough, right? That still was probably less than what the army that surrounded them. But yet God says this to him, you have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into, into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. They'll say my own strength has saved me. And so when I read the scriptures, there's a couple of things, right? Um, what does this text teach us about humanity, ourselves, and what does it teach us about God? And what it teaches me about myself and everyone else is that we have a tendency to take credit for any good thing. We have a tendency to say, we saved ourselves. Look what I did. Look how I mustered it up. Look how I sustained, right? There's this tendency in all of humanity to take credit, to boast, to brag, to be our own savior. And in this story of these 32,000, I was like, no, I'm going to save you. But if you have 32,000, you're going to want to take credit. So weed them down. Send anyone who's afraid. And two-thirds leave. And God's like, no, still too many. You'll take credit and you'll say we saved ourselves. So then it goes down to 300 less than even 1% of the original number. Three, 32,000 to 300. The story goes on, and that's really interesting. We'll, we'll always take credit. And you know what's so interesting about that number of 300? When it's 300 men, it's still too many because their tendency will still be to take credit as well. I remember I was reading the story, and I'm like, well, I want to be one of the 300. We picture this story. So what happens? These 300 go, and, and uh, God tells Gideon to go down to the edge of the enemy camp, and he hears this story. Uh, here's this dream, right? I'm going to get to that. But here's this dream that God's going to deliver him, and Gideon gets courage, and the 300 men surround the enemies with horns, these shofars, these ram's horns, and with fire, and they all blow the horns, and they break the glass, and the Midian army is afraid and thrown into confusion, and they attack each other, right? So God delivers them, and I think I read the story, and I think of like it's like the Spartan army, the 300 who stand in the gap, and that's not it, right? Our tendency is to take credit, and um, 300 is probably still too many. When I think about taking credit, I think about Ephesians. And Paul is writing to the church. And this is Ephesians 2. It says this. He's, he's describing because um, in, in Judges, God said, hey, you're going to take credit for saving yourselves. And the church of Ephesus was doing the same thing. And so here's what Paul writes to them in Ephesians 2. He's just reminding them about who we are. He says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving death. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The temptation is always for us to say we saved ourselves. And yet, 300 was still too many. And yet, here is this story of one that comes as we were caught dead in our sins, trapped in our sin, and one who, Jesus, who enters our death so we can enter his resurrection. So I love this story in that. So I think it's one of those things. We will always have the temptation to take the credit for saving ourselves. And yet God is the one who cares for us and takes care of us and provides for us. So that's what part of the story was grabbing out to me. Second part is this. There's this crazy dream that happens in the enemy camp, the Midian camp, that Gideon goes down because God says to Gideon, hey, you've only got 300 soldiers. I'm sure you're pretty afraid. Let me give you courage. Go down and listen to the camp. And when he's down there in the camp, he hears one of the, the Midian soldiers talking about a dream. And, and, the, and, the, and the Midian knight soldier says this, I had this dream of this barley loaf, that's a loaf of bread, and it's rolling down and it smashes our tents. And all of a sudden, one of the other soldiers begins to interpret it and says, oh, that's Gideon and God, and they're going to annihilate us. And so that's when they all freak out. But that's really interesting, right? Here's this story, and it's a runaway loaf of bread that's going to kill them. I don't know about you, but I, I'm one who's been plagued with night terrors, um, crazy dreams, and fearful of things. But never in my life have I been afraid of a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah. I, I, not yet, right? Maybe that's coming tonight. I don't know about you, right? It's, it's, it almost sounds... Um, ridiculous you know in that in that idea but yet there's so much symbolism to this right one um, barley was like the humble food of the day and so it, this this barley loaf is what sort of animals eat right it's what you fed to your animals and things and um, and many people thought that for the Jewish people or that for Midian the barley loaf was a, a humble food Right? It's this humble food that the Israelites are eating because the, the Midian army and raiders have been taking all of their wheat and all of their food. Right, They've been limiting them. And now here comes this, hum, this, this humility right, in this form of this bread that's going to come, this lowly form of a meal that's going to come and crush them. It's going to come and free them. right? That's going to save them. This barley loaf, this humble food, this lump, humble loaf of bread that's gonna come and set them free. So it made me think, so what does the story teach us about us? I was like, uh, our tendency is to take credit, right? To say we saved ourselves. And what does the story teach us about God? And I believe that we see all of a sudden this, this loaf of humility that comes and sets people free, the bread. So Jesus, right? You can't help 
to, to, to pull in Jesus, right? Jesus in, in John 6 said this of himself. He said, I'm the living bread. I came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my life, my flesh. And, and Jesus, when, when I think about um, what he offered, he came. I mean, Jesus is the ultimate form of humility. Can there be any other, can there any be greater picture of humility in our world than Jesus, who is the creator of all, God in flesh, um, who spoke everything into existence, holy, perfect, but yet then he entrusts himself into the womb of Mary. He takes on human weakness and is born into a family of poverty, into low social status, is cared for in every way. It, it, has put himself into a tiny little family, right? He clothed himself in humility. He wasn't born into a king family. He wasn't born into privilege. He wasn't born into money. He wasn't born into power, right? In the ultimate form, all the scriptures continue to paint this picture of our humble God, who's so different than this world, who wasn't trying to lure it over, wasn't trying to power up, but comes to give himself in humility. And yet in this story, it talks about this loaf who's going to come, this bread, right, that's going to come and save. And, and so here's the beautiful picture that is different from Judges. Um, Jesus didn't come to squash with this overly heavy piece of bread, right? He was the one who came to save us by being squashed. The humble loaf who would be broken. I mean, that, that's again and again what we were meant to partake in. Here is this total humble, humbleness of God that says, I'm going to be squashed for you. And he offers us this bread, right? This is the, the communion piece, right? This is the act of being reminded of Jesus. And I loved this imagery, and I almost wanted to bring it in. because I think sometimes I get the wrong imagery, right? And this isn't a piece of bread, but this is what I had. It was a stale graham cracker, <laughs> right? Um, kind of humble, right? I mean, this isn't going to squash anything, right? This isn't, but, but Jesus says, oh, I'm the bread of life. Come and, come and eat of me, broken for you. And I think the humility of it is that this thing can be, right, can be like pulverized, right? And that's what the humility of Jesus does. It wasn't just this like broken into few pieces, right? It was this pulverized picture right of the brokenness of jesus crumbles and crumbs right placed upon his brokenness right so this is who our god is that's what our god does he says come come eat of me i offer you this bread this humble bread right uh, you know the expression of humble pie oh you're gonna eat humble pie Right? That's when somebody forces something upon you. Like, oh, you've been so arrogant, now you're going to have to eat this and say, oh, I was wrong. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I, I'm, I'm coming to show my humility to the extent of my love. This is what it teaches about God. See, Advent and the season that we're in right now is one of the most beautiful expressions of the humility of God. That God takes upon flesh humility. As a, in, in maybe one of the lowest forms and comes and dwells with us in our brokenness and then comes to be crushed so that in his death, right, 
in his resurrection, we can experience it. That's what it teaches of God. He comes to be near us in our brokenness. He takes on our brokenness, and he gives us life in the life of his resurrection. And so my encouragement to you as you sit around with others, as you talk and remind it, may you find some humble food, right? In these times, when you, if you're finding yourself even sad in these moments, find some food that even reflects humbleness, right? And, and eat, and eat of the life that Jesus is claiming for you. I think of this graham cracker, right? These crumbs that are broken. It says, oh, you were broken for me. And you give your body that I might have life. So what this text teaches me, about my own tendency to take credit, I say I saved myself, and Jesus being the only one, the only one who can free me, right, from my own sin, from death, and the only one who can raise me to life. And that offer is made to me today. And today, I can eat. I'm given, I'm offered that humble but yet powerful gift to eat of Jesus. I pray that you would eat of Jesus today and find life in him, salvation in him, hope in him, freedom in him that you would know which way to take as you're overwhelmed because jesus is feeding you so let me pray so father would you inspire these words for our people would you lord speak into their very beings with what you want to say to them how you want to speak come come holy spirit and whisper to your body Animate it, Lord. Instruct us and show us the ways in which we should turn to you. Amen. Thanks, Bo. Well, as we go into this week, there will be um, lots of opportunity to go our own way, to do the things that we think are most important to ourselves to use our time towards our interests. And I think that there will be, in the midst of that, a voice, a sense, a spirit inviting us to consent to what it is to practice and step into humility. And so as we go through this week, my prayer for us is that we would have a heightened sense of God's invitation to join God in the work of humility. Um, and part of that is sharing in what God's heart prioritizes. And so may, may our hearts grow in agreement and in consent that the things that the Lord prioritizes are the things that we should prioritize. And may our resistance to what that will cost us, whether that's our time or our energy or our resources, may our resistance go down. 
And so, Father, uh, I'm asking for hearts to be sensitive, to respond to your faithful inquiry and your faithful invitation. And may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may we be a part of that. We're going to lift the mutes and we can chat with each other. I do want to encourage you. There are people that do not go on Zoom and there are people that are not on Facebook that are a part of our community. And if the Lord places them on your heart, maybe take three minutes tonight and grab your phone and just scroll through your contact list and see if the Lord highlights somebody that you can send a text to or that you could call and just reach out. It's so important and it can help us to remain um, in that space with people where they're feeling such separation and isolation. And so if you have three minutes tonight, I encourage you, just go through your contact list and see if somebody's name um, seems to be a little bit sticky for you or seems to kind of highlight out of the rest of them and ask the Lord, Lord, what, do you, what would you have to say to them? And how might I be able to enter into um, their world right now, their world of pandemic? So we love you. We trust you. We're proud of you, church. And uh, we'll lift the mute so we can all chat together.